0: He had one room above a thrift store. He had a trunk of books by Ayn Rand. He was short-sighted and reclusive, resisting pleas to take his photograph. (laughs) He drew a superhero comic. He saw the world in terms of black and white. He said, a day's work for a day's pay. That is our one and only right. He takes a card and shades one half of it in dark so he can demonstrate to you just what he means. He says there's black and there is white and there is wrong and there is right and there is nothing, nothing in between. That's what Mr. Ellis Those boys are so handsome!
1: One artist. Ooh, I'm leaving discussion comics Derek I'm your host, Robin Dorman, and it's your geek and writer. I think you need to add lead kazoo player to your list of credentials there. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. Where did the kazoo come from? We are the Handsome Boys
2: Comics Hour. You're home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic, banter, and much, much more. This is episode 100!
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Our car was full of them after the wedding. Okay.
1: I hope this episode will be mostly kazoo free from this point.
2: Yeah, that was pretty much the last of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was the last hurrah of kazoos.
2: Yeah, I had to get it in there anyway. So this is <laughs> episode 100, guys. I'm, I'm excited to be that we somehow made it to 100 episodes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy.
1: It's, it is kind of bananas.
2: It's about uh, just uh, two years, two years of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me and Eric,
1: wonderful years
2: learning about comics and each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And bad comics.
1: Bad comics. Those two. Yes. Lots but, of them.
2: But this, this week, as you know, I, I think it's appropriate. We are reading Watchmen in Nerd Boy Book Club. And that is a, what you heard in our intro was Mr. Mr. A by uh, the Emperors of Ice Cream, one of Alan Moore's bands that he was in. <laughs> and that was a chorus to a song that, uh, the character Rorschach and Watchmen is based on. There was black, and there was white, and there was wrong, and there was right. It's So creepy.
1: It's yeah. pretty creepy.
2: Alan Moore, he knows he's a ham.
1: He's the scariest wizard I know.
2: You know, you know Alan Moore.
1: I know of.
2: Okay, all right, I understand. What about? um, I'm Trying to think about the wizards, I can't think of any.
1: Saruman, the Wise, Christopher Lee. Is Christopher Lee a wizard? Or Christopher Lee's totally a wizard. You you can't tell me, Al, you can't tell me at some level Christopher Lee and Alan Moore are in some kind of club together.
2: They have to be.
1: Yeah, they have to be.
2: They have to be. So before we get into uh, our first segment, Eric has something he needs to open, not his pants. (laughs) Oh, I caught him off. I caught him before he could get, he could say that.
1: I, I was I was gonna I was gonna be real slow and dramatic about it. Oh okay. But then you're like you're like no, no, no. bad. <laughs> no nope stop.
2: No no it is it is a, a mysterious package arrived at Eric's apartment and uh it it's not to be opened until episode one hundred of the Hansel Boys Comics Hour, which is right now.
1: Mm-hmm. It is right now. It's happening now. So you have to open it, even though you probably already know what's inside. I kind of I kind of do. Here it is. It's incredible. Here's the incredibly great job they did wrapping it. <laughs> Same as on there. And uh, in in true in true Eric fashion, I'm uh gonna open it for you. <laughs> Jesus Christ! They big enough? Right, can you can you can you describe what's happening? Okay, for, for uh, listeners.
2: Yes, Eric has just unsheathed a uh a large hunting knife, one that <laughs> uh, you would use to perhaps gut a deer. <laughs> and he's gonna open the this mysterious package. They, you can't see this, but I'm already worried that he's gonna slice his jugular just on accident.
1: Are you are you kidding? This thing is dull. It is but, it is as dull as my wits.
2: I know, but, no, but that even makes it even more dangerous. It's when you force things is when you get when you end up cutting yourself. Well, ah,
0: ta da!
1: That is the Fanta graphics, Uncle Scrooge, and Donald Duck Collection by the old Kino Don Rosa. Kino it, Don? It didn't even... Yeah. Uncle Kino. I did just stab a monitor with <laughs> this not, knife. That's not good. <laughs> I don't care about it. It'll... It's a... It's a monitor I got for forty bucks, hmm. and it's a million years old. And I only use it on the Raspberry Pi. It still probably work, but I knew yes. this would come in handy.
2: I Eric now is uh, the the proud owner of something I I've already owned. I got it for I got it as a Christmas gift, and I believe it, I believe it was appropriate that Eric should own it as well. It was our third our very th- our third episode? We we read uh, Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck. Mm-hmm. I would have gone one or issues one or two, but I believe Eric already owns those things. So, uh, we, I went to episode number three, I went down the line <laughs> until we, <laughs> until I found something that Eric didn't have.
1: You could have got me the, uh, color Scott pilgrims. Of course that would have been like a thousand dollars.
2: Yeah. I, I didn't want to spend uh... so I
1: So I, I can't blame you. You're still, you're still, it's incredibly nice. You got me a, a hundredth podcast present.
2: Mhm, It's appropriate. I'm a gift giver. 100. No um, ep- Don't worry, I will not get you another present until episode two hundred.
1: That's probably appropriate.
2: But okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna go back on my word. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's gonna be the uh, the transition noise. No, no, it's, for the, it's the <laughs> for same one. this
2: episode. <laughs> no, dear God, no. It'd be terrible. But I am quite happy to be on episode one hundred, gone on this journey with Mister Goodnight. And now we just have a hundred, a hundred more to go before uh, we mm-hmm. commit uh, ritual suicide together.
1: Yes, that was that was the plan. Yeah, we got packed to- on that uh, that 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 stormy evening.
2: Yeah, we go okay. In we're
1: in that gonna, uh, Nazi castle.
2: We record a podcast when we get to episode two hundred. Mm-hmm. Ritual suicide,
1: packed. And then the spaceships come.
2: Yeah, they come and they take our spirits and take us to uh, Xanadu.
1: Yes, uh, Olivia Newton John sings to us.
2: That's not bad. She's a good singer.
1: Yeah. She's, she just, you know, she writes songs of the yellow. It's pretty special.
2: But yeah, hearts, hearts and feelings, hearts and feelings, guys,
1: and big knives. Yes.
2: <laughs> but we, uh, all of you have been listening. We, we appreciate all your, your, your ears. And, uh, we hope you are here for the next 100. Cause we are both going to do this until we die. Cause we're, I don't,
1: I don't see any reason to do either one of those things. So, I mean, are we going to keep doing the podcast, but I'm, I'm not going to die. Oh, so we okay. just have to never stop.
2: All right. That's, that's appropriate. It's podcast forever. There's enough comics. Mm hmm. Never running out.
1: There's enough bad comics to make fun of.
2: And good comics to, to recommend. There's good True. comics. Mostly good, maybe.
1: Yeah. Uh, we've, we've, We curate it a little bit. We don't just pick all terrible ones. Well, Yeah, I
2: don't... It does cost money. We do not get these comics for free. (laughs) But with all the the sappiness out of the way, we can get to to reviewing some good and bad comics. It is time for Weekly Floppies. Mm -hmm. It's it's like a fireplace just inside my heart when I hear that noise. Weekly Floppies. This is the part of the show. (laughs) don't know what that means
1: uh my show <laughs> I it, it's wonderful whatever it is
2: where Eric and I will review the week's books tell you to buy or do not buy them this the, firstly firstly this week the the big release secret Wars number one written and designed by Jonathan Hickman art Isad said Ribbit. colors I've Sforcina. i've, I've Sforcina. letters Chris the Greek allopolis uh mm-hmm. production I debtwancore and uh Alex Ross did the cover
1: um this I actually picked up a print copy of this. Did you? Because it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. It is really nice. Did you see it in the comic book store?
2: No, I did not. It's
1: really well made. That cover's gorgeous. And East Side Rubik, I mean, Jesus, this is a really good looking book. Yeah, it is. What were you? What were you? What were you about to launch into? I don't
2: know. I was just going to say, like, this is the big thing. This is the yes. Marvel's big thing. It's going to be all like five months. the next five months of Marvel are going to be all this uh-huh. mostly. I think there's a few things that are not getting they are going to avoid it altogether, but uh, this is the culmination of Jonathan Dickman's Avengers runs, which we discussed last week to an extent. Um, there is about three million people in this comic book. Um, a lot a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of characters. hmm uh-huh. What did you think about it?
1: A lot of this last Hickman stuff that we've been following has been very difficult for me to follow because there are so many characters and there's a lot of concepts and things being introduced. This felt very clear. I understood what was going on at every minute. I mean, in one read through, but I mean, I guess it's a simple enough premise. That you understand it basically from looking at the cover. Well, I mean, and everything has been leading up to this. So, I mean, this is, I don't know. I just feel like something about this, much more clear. I'm completely on board. It's a lot of fun. Um I can't help but think that. What what, what, what do you know about what's coming after this event? Is this just.
2: After it? Yeah. No idea. No one knows for sure. The only yeah. thing that's been released is, it hints at anything, is the all new, all different Avengers book. The preview that came out at Free Comic Book Day, which is an Avengers team that's comprised of Vision, Miss Marvel, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, um, uh, an Iron Man that is not Tony Stark, the female Thor, mm-hmm. um, forget who else is in there, but it, it's, that's the only thing. It, they, yeah. like, and there's no, no other, you don't know. So Miles Morales will be in the mainstream Marvel universe. We know that. Um, mm-hmm. But aside from that, I don't know how things are going to work out, who is, what is going on. I mean, I assume Rocket Raccoon is not going to stay dead, uh, mm-hmm. considering how well his comic has done, but mm-hmm. uh, my guess is the soft reboot. Soft, yeah, where they can move chess pieces around and put things where they want them, but without having to do what DC do- has done and just erase all the continuity, they'll just move it around and Erase mm-hmm. the stuff they don't like or just make you, let, let you forget it. The stuff that is inconvenient.
1: That was kind of what I was expecting to come out of this too. It, I kind of don't like that they're doing that, but I don't know. I don't hate this. I think this is a, a pretty interesting book and I'm, I'm, it's certainly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know. It's big. It's a huge event. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sensing you have some reservations about it. Um, the comic itself is
2: very good. Mm-hmm. He, as you said, the art, Isad Ribic, is very. This is great. This is mm-hmm. obviously he's. They took after that Thor got a thunder work. They went okay. They saw how good he was on that, and they went okay. Now you're doing the big event, and it it looks incredible. Hickman's story has. Kind of culminated in this and it works Mm -hmm. well enough. You, and like you said, they, it has done away with all that confusing back and forth stuff. They try to make it very clear. Like, yeah, it's ultimate universe versus our universe Mm as we, as it seems now in the midst of these two earths colliding and they're, you know, people trying to get on a life raft and you know, there's all these different things, things happening all at the same time. And that's, and with all that stuff happening, it's still pretty clear what is happening and you get a lot of character moments, uh, Questions about what's going on? Are there like you see Cyclops, you see Cyclops, Thor, Spider Man, Captain Marvel, Peter Quill, Star Lord, the Thing, and look, and looks like Franklin and Valeria Richards are all in this little capsule, and I don't know what that means. Um, you know, with along with Mister Fantastic and Black Panther, I guess, and I that's the life raft, I I suppose, but I from what this whole thing has been led led us to believe it's going to be superheroes, like fighting superheroes in a, a battle world and all that. So I'm guessing that's going to be unveiled in the next issue or two, and I think that's my biggest complaint with it, is that it just feels like the next issue of Avengers. It uh-huh. doesn't necessarily feel like this is a separate thing, other than that there's other people in it. Like, the Racket Raccoon's in it for some reason. But other than that, like, it, I, I don't know, it is already doing so much, but it feels like there should be a couple issues of Avengers in between what like it's, I, I get, I, I don't want to complain that there's nothing happening in it, cause a lot of stuff happens. I, I guess it's more of the filing issue that... <laughs> but, I, I'm a buy. It's good. It's a, it yeah. looks beautiful. There's a lot of action, a lot of character in crammed in, where it, it's surprising. With, you're looking at all that, all the characters in this, you get a lot of, char- a lot of small character moments in it, even though it may not be, a lot of it is just very brief, but still it's something, and anyone uh, i don't know but you think anyone could pick this up and understand it
1: i feel like they would really struggle to know who all the characters are but i think what's happening is fairly clear probably someone that is more of a novice in the marvel universe that you know doesn't really know all the x-men or you know they they know they know the big guys and they might have seen some of the recent movies they would probably They'd probably do okay in this. There'd be plenty of people they wouldn't know who they are. There they do have these handy cast pages, which is very helpful, but just because you know someone's name doesn't mean you know anything about them. But yeah. I think uh it's fairly entry level, or at least passable for someone who is uh gonna be a little bit more casual fan, but it's all it's obviously predicated on all this stuff.
2: Yeah and i I think it that is kind of an achievement that they are able to tell the story without relying on all that story beforehand uh I'm more anxious to see i i guess i'm it's just I'm anxious to see what all this means mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing that I'm interested in, at least it hasn't turned me off of it for sure, and that I think is mm-hmm. the even for someone like me, I think that was a probably their biggest the, the biggest obstacle you know it's like am i gonna like that convergence like the first two, issue i'm like i'm already i don't want to buy number two yeah this is this has made me want to buy number two I, of of secret war so it has achieved that and i frankly the art is so beautiful i'd probably get to i'd probably buy them all just to look at it because mm-hmm. he's a ribic he was he did an amazing job on thor God of thunder and uh it is continuing on this book so in the i'm a buy
1: yeah, everyone should buy this one. I most people probably it's the, are. It's the it's it's the thing to do. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: It it event comics should feel important. It feels important.
1: Mm-hmm. We're 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 back. Marvel's back on their game after Sixus.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say Sixus was terrible. Uh, okay. Next up. Burp, burp. See, that was not that was me faking a Kazoo, but it was not an
1: actual. That was fake Kazoo.
2: Fake Kazoo. We have, uh, our, our the neck, we, I, I, none of the DC books looked that interesting to me that guy, this week guys, so I didn't do any. There's no, I don't want to read Convergence and or any of the Convergence books. It does not, you yeah, <laughs> know, We run the show, we decide what we want, or I decide, and Eric just goes, okay.
1: Yeah, I don't well, complain.
2: Not generally, unless we read something really bad.
1: Yeah, then I bitch at you. <laughs>
2: But next up is Spider Gwen, number four, written by Jason Latour, Art Robbie Rodriguez, Colors, Rico, Renzi, Letters, Clayton, Cowles. Uh, this is after the first three issues of this have very been very much action oriented, uh seeing Spider Gwen, Spider Woman, you know, fight the vulture and, you know, deal with Frank Castle cop rogue cop Mm -hmm. frank castle this is more of a a very personal uh issue where she's you know mostly talking to uh aunt may from where in in this universe her universe peter parker has been killed um and she and spider woman is still wanted kind of for that surrounding that that murder but most of this is really kind of very close personal discussion between Gwen and At May. I really, it really kind of Jason Latour kind of flexing his his more you know character driven muscles. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I I, I kind of can't believe that uh he's as good a writer as he is. I mean, I I was mostly introduced to him through Southern Bastards, so that's my impression of him is he's comic book artist guy. Um what had he written before this? Uh, he had that you're written, aware of?
2: Um, Wolverine, and the X Men. After, mm-hmm. after was right. It was Nick Bradshaw was doing the art, and he still did. Nick Bradshaw still did some of the art after Latour took over. Um, mm-hmm. Why can't I think who wrote it? But Latour, he wrote he wrote the second volume of that, or some of it, and he wrote uh, what else? Another some another Marvel book. I think, I think that's it. But that's all as far as I know. I think some a smaller indie stuff. And I, he had, he was a cartoonist just from listening to podcasts about him. So I I wrote his own cartoons. But I don't know off the top of my head anything else. But this is, it's, it's, how personal is it? It'll surprise me a little bit. And I really enjoyed it.
1: I think it's there, an awful lot has, is accomplished considering that uh, some Reed Richards has probably destroyed this part, their universe already.
2: Yeah. I, I, I'm fairly. I forget. I don't know how this book has. Because some books, there like there's some books that are going to be going into Secret Wars and going to take place Mm -hmm. in the Secret Wars universe. Some books are going to have the end attached to them or whatever, or or their their last days. That's what it's called, last days. Okay. Like Miss Marvel. That's what happened to Miss Marvel. She's going to have Miss Marvel's last days as she struggles to save people in her town. You know. Jersey City while Secret Wars Mm -hmm. is going on. And then those books are going to end and presumably whatever happens after, they'll either reboot or, you know, see where they fall after the whole mess has ended. And then the the third books are the ones that are just going to continue on and ignore everything. And that's Mm -hmm. I like, uh, Squirrel Girl is one of those. That she's just, they're just, they're just going to act like Squirrel Girl is just, you know, she's out of continuity, kind of. So they just let her go. I don't know where this one is, the, where this one lies. I, we'll find out soon enough, I guess. It might be, you know, just one day she ends up in the regular Marvel Universe and suddenly, you know, it seems like that's where they're going, but who knows. But I, it it's made, I never was a Gwen Stacy person. I always liked uh-huh. Mary Jane more, but this book has made me enjoy, you know, Gwen Stacy and like, it's very, the, the, the art is, Robbie Rodriguez does an amazing job. It's really dynamic. The coloring, reco- the coloring, I think, is also the the crazy like neons and you know kind of weird colors in this. I really like. And uh,
1: I, it's used it's used tastefully. It's yeah. not like overwhelming, but they punch it in there at the right moments.
2: Yeah, it it it's really enjoyable. I'm a buy. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Jason Latour is a uh, even more of Eric Eric's man man crush now.
0: Well, I
1: stalk him on every media. I can't believe how I don't understand how people have time to do work when they're on fucking Facebook talking about basketball all day. (laughs) He did say something that was incredibly funny earlier. He said that uh, the aesthetic of 90s comics has been realized or that that legacy has been carried on into modern sports logos. (laughs) That's true. It made me laugh.
2: That's good. It's like this logo lacks pockets. Come on. Um, so double by Spider Gwen number four. Next up, Spider Woman number seven, even though Spider Gwen is also Spider Woman, but that's you know, separate, separate universe. They can all be women. So okay. they, they can all be Spider Women. We have all the Spider Women.
1: I uh, I, I need to tell you what just happened to me because I totally I forgot that I read this. <laughs> <laughs> I read it. I forgot that I read it, and you said that, I'm like, oh shit, this is another book that I didn't read. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> I, I did read it.
2: It's uh, written by Dennis Hopeless. Javier Rodriguez on pencils, Alvaro Lopez on inks, Munsa Vincente on colors, Travis Lanham on letters. It is, we kind of get to what is happening a little bit with this mystery that Spider-Woman has been chasing. Uh It's intriguing, actually. I it, it subverts expectations a little bit about what we find out that what Spider Woman finds out, mm-hmm. I, and it's it's really it's still really good. I really I'm so glad they dumped uh Pornface McGee and went to like a, a person who doesn't draw every woman as a sex object. It, it it it's like really fun and delightful, and it that and it definitely is carrying on that. It, it feels like in that same vein as Hawkeye and Superior Foes of Spider-Man, it's like in between those two a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it, you know, irreverent kind of look at, 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 super, at superheroes, but I, I really enjoy this book. I'm, I, I cannot no, be more excited about it.
1: It's, it's really good. It's really good. And it just peopled with such interesting and weird characters. And I, I don't know. The, the more of these situations she gets into, it's I I was not sure if I was going to like it from the get-go. This is an a truly excellent episode and it has like the the lifter armor from Aliens at the end of it.
2: <laughs> it, does. <laughs> it does. It really does. Except she's not a queen alien. She's just a a superhero. Mm-hmm. But I I the art is, is also really good. Oh man. Yeah. It's
1: crazy good. It's crazy good. I love it. This is a beautiful looking issue.
2: Yeah, it's it's I it's just kind of staggering that they've turned this around so quickly. Like the I I have like totally different feelings about Spider-Woman in three issues of this. It made it endeared me. Bye.
1: Absolutely. Just just pin a $100 bill to a close rack at your local comic book shop, yeah, and then just walk away. <laughs>
2: That's- you can just have a normal transaction. I don't I don't know mm-hmm. why she did just the she the person saw her. I don't okay mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh our final Marvel book of the week is Ant Man, number five. And I was mentioning Spirit Foes of Spider Man. This is written by Nick Spencer, who wrote Spirit Foes mm-hmm. of Spider Man. I'm sure eventually we'll load and I've, and then I will uh, start talking about this. Come on, my buddy.
1: We can just we can just not talk about it. It's okay.
2: No, we kinda need to. I mean, we don't need to, but we should.
1: It's probably I mean probably good it'd idea. It'd be weird to it'd be it'd be weird to stop on in the middle of episode one hundred.
2: Yeah, in the middle of Ant Man. We're like, oh, we're done now. Ant
1: Man. Eh, Ant Man's Yeah. Written by Nick Spencer.
2: Ant Man. Nick Spencer writer. Ramon Rosanas on art. Jordan Boyd doing colors. Travis Lanham again doing letters, and I debt Winecore as the designer. Uh this is Ant Man we we <laughs> I I I love how they explain away every single thing. Like they end on some ridiculous cliffhanger, and then it's just suddenly that, that was dumb. We know, and this is why it's dumb. It's it it's just great. It, it is completely picking up from Spirit of Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Third level of Bataroads difficult.
1: <laughs> Does it say that?
2: It says that. Yeah. When he's in the in the blood. How did Street. I miss that? He says he
1: he references Battletoads.
2: Navigating the bloodstream—it's difficult, like third level of Battletoads, difficult.
1: Which is true. There were hard. There were harder levels in Battletoads in the third level. I never got past the third level, so I wouldn't know. (laughs) Well, we we got past it all the time. It just gets worse.
2: Of course it does. I've watched speedruns of it. It's ridiculous.
1: No, it's awful. It's horrible.
2: It's not really a good game.
1: It. I. I disagree. But it's too hard.
2: (laughs) That's what I mean. It's not, there's no point to it. But it also packs in a little bit of heart at the end of it. Uh, but it's just- Ant-Man, not
1: Battletoads. Not
2: Battletoads. Battletoads is heartless. Uh, it it breaks your heart. (laughs) With its sheer difficulty. This Ant-Man has heart at the end. Despite all the irreverent superhero humor, it, it, I continue, I, I, I like, I getting, feel like I'm in an echo chamber, but I, I like this book. It's good. It's funny. It's
1: charming. Eric, it's got ants in it. Okay, is that a good thing? This is an excellent book. Okay, I have been less positive on several issues of this. This is this is one of the best, if not the best. Um, yeah, easily one of the the best uh, Ant Man comics that they've done in this little run. Does this end off the arc? What well, this was? I was, yeah, uh, it's yeah five. that was five. That's so the arc.
2: Th- this will be the first arc. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I hope it continues. I I'm seeing how good the spirit of Spider Man was. I'm glad that Spent Nick Spencer is writing a similar book at Marvel, and I hope that it can, succeeds. And and mm-hmm. and I and I assume with that the Ant Man movie coming out, though they have there's extra you know marketing power behind it and et cetera. Et cetera and people are more likely got, to read it.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, it's got more. It's got a, a good a chance as any. I mean, five issues out, movie coming out. Trade may be on shelves by the time the you know the movie comes out. Yeah. Should be, you know, give it a good shake.
2: Yeah, I'm a buy.
1: This is a, absolutely.
2: Yeah, double buy, Ant-Man number five. This whole arc, very good, solid, funny.
1: I love, I love what a dick machine man is in this.
2: Internet this guy. This machine man, right?
1: Internet guy.
2: I don't think he's machine man. Machine man's a different, I forget his, next, What's the hell is his name? He has a name. <laughs> We're gonna figure it out. I'm sure it's in the, in the intro.
1: I don't know why I remembered Machine Man. Machine Man
2: is in... He's in Next Wave. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. This is not, that this sounds is a, about right. This is a different guy. Machine Smith. There you go.
1: Ugh. Really?
2: Yes. That's his name. He is a dick. Yes, he is. But it's funny.
1: <laughs> Just like, I'm not going to help him. He's fine.
2: Yeah, I, I can't... Our, well, I can not sign up for this. I did my job. I don't need to do more. So, uh, our last book of the week last week, weekly floppy is an indie book it is arcadia issue number one written by alex packnadel illustrated by eric scott pfeiffer letters by colin bell uh so this is i i think this is an interesting take mm. on a established sci-fi trope
1: it 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 borrows tropes for or it, it is it borrows from a lot of different things
2: yes i I mean, there's a it, you know, it, it posits basically the world has been hit by a plague, mm-hmm. and the only way to save most people was to upload them to, you know, a computer, so they have their AIs now. Everyone is in, they're in the Matrix. They're in the Matrix, and but the thing that caught my eye about this because at a first glance I'm like, eh, yeah, but the thing that caught my eye is the fact that there's a, a large part of the story focuses on the very few people that are still alive in real mm-hmm. life who are meat in one of the meat as it's called the meat Um where they maintain the servers and the end, like the cost of energy to, to actually, you know, keep these, all these people running on their computer programs and the politics are surrounding it or that, that is also, I was not expecting that in this, the fact that, you know, the, where there's the president is negotiating about, you know, energy costs and all that and with the people inside the simulation. Like that's really interesting to me. Uh, I'm, this whole idea, I, I, I kind of fascinated a lot on by many different takes on it. And I was kind of curious about it and I, my, it met my expectations. I enjoyed this. Mm. Did you, did it, did, did you like it? Do you think it was too unoriginal, Eric?
1: Well, <sighs> like I said, like I, I, I have. I mean, I can think of a half dozen other things that this borrows from or have done all of the ideas in this. Um, but I, I mean, it, it kind of got me off on the wrong foot. Like I, I came into it wanting to hate it and I, something about the introduction and some certain parts of it, I thought this was going to be like really pretentious, but it didn't really go down that road that. Uh, it introduced some interesting characters and some interesting scenarios and a lot of the ideas that it's borrowing are kind of just background noise. You know, the fact that there's all these humans in the matrix and the play. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's not, it's, it's part of the driving force of what's going on, but, uh, it's, it's more character than that. And I, I've, I enjoyed it for that. Yeah, I, you know, the whole, the whole two fathers thing, mm-hmm. I thought was really very effective and very interesting.
2: That is, that is very interesting. I, 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 what is your thoughts on this? Like this comic basically on the, on the credits page just gives you a paragraph that is the next is, uh, is just a, um, uh, uh, information dump. It is just literally like here is the setup. Mm-hmm. I would prefer that and then just let them jump into the the people i don't i don't need you to do that have a dialogue deliver dialogue by somebody when you could just tell me it before the story starts
1: i think it's acceptable um and it's probably better to start a little more in medias res that way but i mean really the more artful way to do it is to reveal it to 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 show and not tell but this is this is not a terrible way to do it. You know, one paragraph of exposition, it makes a lot of things clear and it makes this more digestible. So it's perfectly fine.
2: Yeah. It's not a neo-gaming page and a half of, of, mm-hmm. di- of, of story. It is.
1: Of poetry.
2: Paragraph. Yeah. Poetry <laughs> in near unreadable fonts. That's good. But i God
1: Klein doesn't appreciate you, you, uh, talking shit about his lettering.
2: It's. I, I'm thinking specifically of you know what you know what issue I'm thinking of of saying Man.
1: Which which one?
2: The one where oh I I don't know what it I it, it's really cat. It's a uh, well, it's a <laughs> oh I can't even remember now. It's been so it's been a while since we been a while since we read those. Oh it's the one where she's reading the re it's like old it's a flashback mm-hmm. and they're reading like scrolls or something and. Mm. And the and it's just really hard to read. Everything else is fine in that entire series, but it's just that one time I just could not read what. And you're supposed to read it, and I could not. It's like in some weird runic uh, font, mm-hmm. and I couldn't. I just couldn't read it.
1: But you can read this science fiction font.
2: I can read science fiction font mostly. Okay. It's not in a Neil uh, um, Stevenson, you know, language that we haven't <laughs> invented yet.
1: Does have uh does have some code in the back. The guy is uh calling up shark functions.
2: Well sharks are yeah, you have to while yeah, an aboriginal guy is writing shark code. hmm Very important. But I'm a buy. I the art I haven't we haven't really mentioned. It. I I really like it. So it's uh...
1: It's an it's an interesting uh an interesting sort of look, I think. There are some spots where I don't really care for it and they're some that i do enjoy it it's it's kind of feels like it's kind of a mix between um oh what's his name chrononauts in the wake i've forgotten his name murphy murphy a a mix between murphy and jeff lee meyer
2: yeah i can see that
1: but i it's uh it's got it's got that pen style but something about like the leanness of the figures and like how like they're bony and they look like they're, they're like They're just all made of cheekbones. It's odd to me. Lee Meyer kind of does that.
2: He does, yeah. But I'm a buy. You buy, Eric?
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I totally thought I was going to hate this book, and it has proved me wrong. It is a a solid comic book.
2: I'm a double buy, Arcade, number one. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to read number two. We might check out number two for the podcast, see what comes out. Um, Did you read anything else? Any single issues this week, Eric?
1: I read The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl.
2: What'd you think about that? I haven't read it yet.
1: Predictably delightful. Okay. It's uh it's actually really funny um where Squirrel Girl's roommate is has been kidnapped and they're all inside some building and all these other these others that are in there with her they're they're all telling stories about Squirrel Girl except none of them know who Squirrel Girl is. So they just make up crap. <laughs> They just make up BS. <laughs> and it's hilarious. It's kind of amazing. Um, like sh- one guy tells a story about how Squirrel Girl wants vengeance. And it's very clearly like they draw Squirrel Girl as the Dark Knight returns Batman. Oh, and good. it's the, it's the, it's the surgeon, uh, uh, line. Ah, right. I you need to read it. You I will. will I will you will enjoy it thoroughly. It's kind of it's kind of amazing. I kind of let me see if I can find it. I want to I want to read it to you. And hear your reaction. I think this is it right here. It's only like two panels. You don't get it, son. This isn't a trash heap. It's a nut hoard. <laughs> a place where squirrels keep their nuts until they're good and hungry. And I'm the squirrel.
2: I like it. It's excellent. There you go. There we go. So, you should uh, read it. I will. we will read it. I haven't read much else this week. Um, I am looking forward... You know what comes out next week? What does? Injection number one.
1: Oh, my goodness. I've only been talking about that 100 million years.
2: Yep. Ellis Chalvey and Bel Air back together for their next book. I'm so excited about it. Expecting me to rave about it next week, guys.
1: He's already, he's already a buy for it.
2: I'm, I'm, yes, I'll, I would buy it five times. <laughs> Probably.
1: I hope it's really terrible and you're like struggling to defend it. I actually don't know if it's really terrible. I, because I, I don't when, know if it's I'm, possible. I know, I am going to have to read it. It, it, it,
2: it very well could be possible. <laughs> eh, I, I don't think I've never read an Ellis comic. I didn't at least enjoy. I, I Some understand. are better. There are some that are better than others, but they're all at least competent. Um, but with that awkwardness, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for checking in. Checking this part show, Eric and I will talk about what we up to during the week. Tell you guys, tell you, tell you, me, tell, tell, tell you guys what we enjoyed doing and did not enjoy doing. <laughs> That's about all I got this week. Eric, what have you been doing this week? I I saw pictures of you on the beach
1: oh yeah i need to stay away from the friggin beach that is the worst place in the universe is it i mean do you like walking around naked in public
2: well not all naked but
1: do you like sand in your mouth all over your hands on your face are you doing? Uh, I don't know crevices. Are you
2: doing the beach? I don't know what
1: you're doing. Are you? Do you
2: crawl? You just take all your clothes off and crawl on the, on the sand like you're like. It a- is, Im-
1: dude. It is impossible to not be covered in sand at the beach. I'm sorry.
2: Well, that's why you go in the water and it washes it off.
1: Well, that's another thing. The ocean, uh, full of bacteria and and feces and gross shit.
2: Don't think about it.
1: <laughs> um, no, that's that's how you have to enjoy it. Yep, exactly. Just go. Oh, can't I think about. I all hate that. the. And I don't know if you know this, but it's like 99 degrees every mm-hmm. day because it's Florida. Yep. I was and outside there's today. a giant ball of plasma, uh, irradiating horrible shit down on me. Mm-hmm. You can tell I've got like two tone face here from where the different kind of sunblock gave me more skin cancer on the, on, uh, uh this part. You should have worn a hat. I should have worn a hat, but I wasn't really planning ahead. I was more concerned with cooking ribs, huh. which is about the only thing. That was, that was the true victory of the day. I truly c- cooked the, uh, the best ribs I've ever made. It was amazing.
2: I'm going to get you a panama hat. Send me an hat.
1: email and I'll, huh?
2: I'm gonna make you, I'm going to get you a panama hat.
1: I will not wear that.
2: It'll cover your head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so will a bo- like a roll of duct tape, but I'm I'm not want, gonna just want, wrap my you, head in duct tape. Uh, I
2: was gonna say you want that instead because I can get you a duct tape hat. No, thank you.
1: That was that doesn't really fit my my uh, my personal brand here. So
2: excellent ribs.
1: Oh my god, they were so good. It's amazing. We used one of those uh, Louisiana pellet grills. wasn't actually it wasn't Louisiana. It was Traeger brand pellet grills, not Louisiana brand. Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. Your
2: father-in-law has one. Yes.
1: How about that?
2: Yep. I was there. We cooked on it today, actually, me and Youssef.
1: Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're pretty good. Keep a nice, consistent temperature for people that like the, the the additional taste of smoke, which you cannot get from. I cook on gas. I cook in my oven. There's no comparison. I mean, cooking over some kind of hardwood, charcoal, cooking with wood chips i mean that that smoke that smokiness is incredibly important to the flavor so there's no no comparison but good lord those those pellet grills are nice and simple to work with and you don't have to spend eight hours minding a fire it's a lot a lot easier to work with
2: so but yeah ribs and what else do you get anything out any, uh, get up to anything else there you old rascal
1: I, I talked a lot about going to see Avengers. Oh. And sure. I, I, I wished I had saw it. That way we could talk about it. But no, it's been mostly just dealing with nonsense and not really having much fun. Oh. I did, uh, I did manage to watch a couple episodes of a couple seasons of The Simpsons here and there. Only just a couple seasons. Just a couple seasons. Which, which seasons? I'm, I'm, I'm polishing off episodes that i hadn't watched before like i just watched like i was really stunned at how good the the who shot mr burns episodes were
2: oh yeah they're amazing
1: yeah they're very good episodes i had forgotten that the the slant oil drilling company was from that episode <laughs> yes blocking out the sun there's some some cartoony supervillainy shit there it's amazing mm-hmm. but i think like those the the like six seven eight nine mm-hmm those seasons are they're kind of the ones that i think they're they're the seasons that i really remember the most and i r- 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 watching them recently i don't know that the ones i'm the, really the more nostalgic about i think like i remember a lot of the old ones because we had them on tape or something we recorded them off tv but like the true simpsons simpsons were those to me if you know yeah. what i mean
2: yeah everyone has their own kind of like House Yon era mm-hmm. that they Seven and eight that's my favorite favorite seasons, although I, mean, I, I get it all those all those earlier ones are really good, too, but the ones I like the most are it's always I think it's just how old you are and you know like all nostalgia, it's kind of how old you are when you absorb them and you go oh, it's when I start realizing how good they are
1: Mm-hmm. <sighs> my life is boring. Oh. you should tell me about about your excitement <laughs> i I really wish we could talk about Avengers right now.
2: Well, after you see it, we can we can revisit. It's our show. We can talk about whatever we want.
1: Uh, my my assistant is chomping at the bit to talk to me about it. Yes. Apparently, there's a lot of interesting and possibly problematic things in it. Mm. Like what, like whatever has happened has led to uh, has led to Joss Whedon quitting Twitter. Ah, eh, that's not.
2: He came out. Of, he that wasn't why he quit Twitter. Uh, well, he quit Twitter because he was. Tired of social media, not after working on a movie for or working on mm-hmm. a series of movies for five years of his life. Oh yeah, I don't. It has nothing to do with the reaction to the movie because that's happened before. And official segue: I saw Avengers: Age of Ultron. Um, it was very good. It's crazy superhero spectacle. Uh, it's done. I considering how they almost double the cast basically. I mean with. From Avengers 1, because they've included multiple characters from other, the other Marvel movies, like Falcon and uh, War Machine are in this, plus Nick Fury, Maria Hill. Then you get Vision, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and the addition of Ultron, plus other miscellaneous characters. And And the fact that they get, people are, like a lot of reviews I've read have said, oh, they don't give enough time to each character. I'm like I am a, I wholeheartedly disagree because it is you can only make a movie so long. This movie it's two mm-hmm. two almost two and a half hours. It does not feel that long. It feels much shorter. It goes by very quickly. It is expertly paced. Each character, every single Avengers character, gets their own time to shine. You get a lot of a lot of detail about them that really colors them in regards to the team. And plus it has all the spectacle that you want in a movie like this. Uh, it is remarkable every, I, I in, in just the difficult, sheer difficulty of the construction. Like mm-hmm. I, that, I, I don't, I don't think these people, I don't know why, like it's, it's clearly an ensemble superhero movie. It is not Captain America, winter soldier. It is not have two or three people that can focus on it is, In a team, in in all, in its truest sense, it is a ensemble movie. And it is, and I don't see where the problematic things are in regards to Black Widow in particular. Because there's Mm -hmm. been a lot of story. I, it is character choices. That is, that is what it is. And my wife agreed with me. Like, she was like, I don't understand. I understand, like, I can see why if someone, if if someone just came up to you and said some of the things she says in the movie to me on the street as, this is my opinion, or this is facts, I would go, yes, that's problematic. But it's clearly a part of her character development that she feels certain ways about certain things. It is not, it's not a judgment on people in real life. It is her character development. And I don't know how you misconstrue that. I am I'm
1: really curious what the hell you're talking about. I don't want
2: to give it away cuz it will it spoils. I know you're you're trying
1: to be spoiler free.
2: Yes, I don't it's only 2 um, weeks old. I'm not going to spoil it. Um it, it it's regards I don't, again, I didn't I never read many of the in-depth reviews of it because I I wanted to stay spoiler free and I still managed to get a couple spoilers before I saw it. So I do not want to do that to other people. Um but I don't see a, a, I think it's interesting character development in regards to her. I, I, I in all it makes her an interesting character. It does not make her a bad character, and it's especially with it. It makes it. It really works well with the relationship they have with they give her with Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. That is, it's very interesting, and I like. I, I understand why Joss Whedon be would be perturbed about people calling him out on that. I don't think he left Twitter because of that. He probably left Twitter because he's tired. And he wants to not deal with anything. Um, it's, it's a very good movie. They, Joss Whedon knows what he's doing. I, I would say Avengers one is still probably a hair better. And I think it's entirely on the strength of Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Like, I think people,
1: people do adore him.
2: I think he's, he's
1: not even, not even in it at all, huh?
2: He's not in it at all. And I think that's for the better because if he wasn't it, you just go, Oh yeah, I do like him better. He's cooler. He's a better villain than Ultron. But, uh, I think that's the main problem with it. That why it's not as good as one. It's still very good. Very much fun. Great. Like it's so, like there's a ton of fan service in it, like to nerds like us. Mm -hmm. And it, it's. You know just tons of really, and it's funny, like it's so, and the thing I was not expecting out of it that I really like vision, I was not expecting to like vision as much. I really liked vision, he didn't even get that much time in it. I really like what they've done with vision just in just a this very short amount of time he's in that movie. I am very excited to see what they where they put him going for forward because he's he was very, really interesting. you should see it
1: i I definitely will it would be ridiculous for me not to
2: it's it's excellent it's a and it and i it a large portion of the time i mean all the trailers make it look like the entire movie is just the heroes fighting amongst themselves, but most of it is them being heroes, them saving regular people and that's refreshing
1: that's incredibly important to you
2: it is it is when it's the Avengers it is especially. So two thumbs up from Robbie. Bye. <laughs> Bye.
3: tickets. Stupid.
2: Uh, the other thing I did, I'll, which I'll touch very shortly on. It's well, since it's not comic book related. Uh, we went and saw kids in the hall live last night. It was uh, a lot of fun. Great show. These, uh, hey, those comedians that have been doing this for 30 years, they're really good at it. They know what they're doing. How to, They know how to put on a sketch show at this point.
1: I wonder if they're doing new sketches because they it are. was. They are. probably a half dozen years ago I saw kids in the hall live
2: they did did they do any new then
1: uh well, I mean, it was all stuff that I did not know then, and I was hoping that they would release a dVD of the live show, which I have not seen in existence yet, but I'm curious if this is even more new material it's it's or a if mixture. it's if it's stuff that's been pre- performed before on uh, on stage.
2: Well, it's certainly a mix- new stuff that's not been on the television show for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, there are some bits that were from, that are characters from television that we know. And then a bu- some, some bits that are just them doing new sketches. I don't know if they've been, I had uh, mentioned that the, to, to Youssef and I'm talking to him today. Uh, he had seen them live mm-hmm. last year or two years ago. Not too long ago, and he, I relayed one of the sketches they did, and he's like, "Yeah, they did that." So I assume it's a mixture of the ones that are probably the the best ones they keep, and you know they recycle. If they have a good idea, they probably will try it out, and you know they have probably have their own system how they you know make move things sketches around and stuff like that. But I was very impressed. I it was hilarious. It was a great show.
1: Mm, they're it, they're. Quite funny,
2: and the fact that I was the most really impressive thing is how quick. Like they were pot, they did and it was under two hours. It felt like five minutes, and mm-hmm. they did just bit after bit after bit after bit after bit. Like just, uh fade, like black, reset the stage, boom, another bit starts. No, like no long pauses. Very, very quick, really impressive. If they're hanging, around they're in touring in your area, go see them. Really, really enjoy. I, I we had great seats that didn't hurt, but it was a great show.
1: Which one's your favorite?
2: I was thinking about that. I think it's Bruce.
1: Bruce? Yeah, I think so. I support you on that. He'll give you cancer though. Will he? Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: You didn't know he was the cause of cancer.
2: I did not know that.
1: You should, you should look up Bruce causes cancer. Okay. He comes out. He's like, sorry about all that cancer guys. I was on (laughs) a roll. (laughs) And Dave Foley's like admonishing him. He's like, that's not a very genuine apology, Bruce. Don't you have something you want to say to everyone? <laughs> no,
2: it's he, uh, I I think I'm not sure, but I think he's my favorite.
1: I have no idea which one's my favorite. I just remember little things about each one of them and they're all they're uh, they're every one of them so brilliant. They're, I would almost say Dave, but he's he's so he's so whiny and depressed now. <laughs> yeah.
2: They they actually to start off the show, Kevin came out. Well, they had initial bit all five of them. And then and then as like sort of just like a boom, boom, like here we are. And then Kevin came out and he's like, I know some of you have been dragged here by your 40 ro- 41 year old boyfriends. So I'm going to sing a little song explaining what the kids in the hall are. And so he sings a song explaining their history and what they their relationships. It's very, very entertaining. So bye.
1: <laughs> I'm really jealous of you. Like I said, I haven't seen him in half a dozen years. They're, they're, I, I'm sure it's amazing.
2: It was good. It was, I, this, the 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 venue setup wasn't great, but the show itself was amazing. Whew, okay, that's enough blabbing about sketch comedy. Jeez,
1: it's that ain't a comic book. It ain't a comic book, and it ain't ribs.
2: Oh, don't talk about it if It ain't one of those things.
1: Yep. But without further ado, I'll, I only I only get a pass on ribs because I can. I'm giving. I'm writing myself a pass.
2: Oh, I see. Oh, I can ah, Tricky there.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so ribs and pickles
2: without further ado. <laughs> it is time for Nerd Boy Book Club. <laughs> nerd Boy Book Club's part show and her guy will sign along or collect a work and discuss it in depth. Like you would a book club. Generally, they're comic books though. We don't do none of that prose here. Unless There's a lot of pros in this. There's there, well, unless it's Alan Moore and then he just squeezes yeah. it into a comic book anyway. He doesn't care. He's just mm-hmm. like I'll wanna throw a novel inside this comic book.
1: Yep. Here's a million word novel inside inside this comic. Yes,
2: this this week for episode 100, we are doing Watchmen by Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, probably the most important comic if you want to say like in the last 30 years. Yeah. Probably it, yeah, I I would say so. It is, came out in 1985, the year of my birth, um, which it seems, int- it interested me. felt I felt like a so, connection.
1: You had to, you had to tell us all that. Mm-hmm. The identity thieves are very interested in that.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. They're going to hunt me down. They can they steal, are. they could steal having to edit this podcast every week if they really want to steal my identity. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the first like I don't know deconstruction of superheroes it's the one that got everyone's attention there was comics before that touched on it this is the first that did it in a major big I mean it's obviously it's Alan Moore so it mm-hmm. it it took superheroes in a direction that hadn't really been something that had not been done before it's certainly not to this extent um, where you put them you take superheroes and you put them in the real world basically and that's like that's <laughs> It kind of has shaped DC's entire uh, worldview, at least, at least uh, recently, especially. But I, do you know, when did you first read this? I know this isn't the first time.
1: Oh, it's my, I, I'm struggling to think even how many times I've probably read it a dozen times, but I was, I was in college, maybe a sophomore or a junior in college. And I'm not even sure why. I picked it up, it was probably because someone, you know, in my sort of clique of illustrators was like, well, this is really important, and you should read this, and Alan Moore, and, you but it was, I think it was the first thing that I had ever read by Alan Moore, and I was really not at a place where I could appreciate it. Like, I think it had a huge impact on me, but I think I sort of recognized it as being better than I appreciated it for, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like i didn't really get dave gibbons' artwork at the time and there are a lot of things about the story that i mean it's incredibly dense mhm there's the, i i can't think of anything else that i've read uh any comic book that i've read that is anywhere near as just crammed full of information yeah absolutely and it so much of it ties together it's it's shocking, like because there's stuff in this read through, certainly after, you know, reading and discussing a hundred different comic books, like I have different perspective and this is it, it's I don't know. It was always good, but I'm seeing so many different things about it.
2: Yeah. And I, when have,
1: I, I have a comp- go ahead.
2: I was going to say, like you mentioned after reading, when you read something, it. To just give a little insight to, I mean, I know my my process. I guess when you re- are reading something after we've done this, somebody reading something to discuss it on a on in any kind of forum or in a public way, you look at it differently. I mm-hmm. look at comic books differently, knowing that I'm going to be talking about them later. And like, you, there's not all this information. It's not it's 12 issues. It feels like 50.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: It could, it, it's, it's like a neutron star. It is just, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's like uh it's like the, the, it's like Nibbler's poops. It's, you know, you like, you pick it up and it feel, it looks like it should weigh like a pound and it weighs 500. And that.
1: Do you, do you hear that Alan Moore? He just said your book is a piece of shit. <laughs> if Alan Moore was listening to this, I'd, I'd be very surprised. He's tracking down his copyright from the, the introduction.
2: Oh, oh is he? He's like, I those words are not to be reproduced on podcasts. How dare you! <laughs> Why don't you pay your artists? There you go. But uh, it, and it's none of it is none of it feels wasteful. No, it feels every bit of information. How much of it? However much there is, it feels like it. You have to. Everything you're reading is telling you something very important.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Every little bit of it, just every bit of characterization, every bit of story, every bit of background about the world—it's you. I got every time I read this, I get new things. This yeah. time, this time especially, I got so much more out of it than the last time mm-hmm. I read it. And I've read this multiple times, and it's still—I think the first time I read it, I was—I think in college as well—and I certainly didn't get nearly as much out of it as I did in every su- every succeeding read. It. It continues just to give you more and more and more insight. And I think, and I, if there's one thing that is like, I don't, that deliver not calling this important, it, I, it feels just kind of lazy. I it just, how good it is. The, just, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a great comic. And I don't think people, a lot of people talk about how important the comic is, but I think it's the quality of it is more important necessarily than how much it has influenced other stuff.
1: Yeah, even beyond any of that, and I think you were even saying that, even beyond comics, it is just a genius work of fiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is flat-out brilliant, and one of the things that Alan Moore has always stated is kind of one of his M.O.s, is what what can comics do that no other medium can? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is this dense layering that he's doing. You know, like when we're seeing a very simple scene of like the news vendor sitting on the corner talking about stuff, yelling at a guy, whatever. And you know, he's, he's interacting with several different incidental characters. But in the middle of all of this, there's like that young kid reading a comic book and it's being like they're meshing together Mm -hmm. and what's happening in the comic book reflects. What's ha either what's happening on the previous page or what is like reflecting what's happening around them. And it's just, it's just so amazing, like how it's crafted that just everything just starts to echo, you know, something's introduced earlier and it's mentioned again. And then it just everything just ripples throughout the whole book. It's, it's, it's really amazing how it's crafted.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, the the layout itself, just the nine-panel pages that are, you know, sometimes split in different ways, but it's all, there's nothing, it's all, you know, square, you know, it's nine-panel grid cut in different ways, and that's it, entire book. And what Dave Gibbons does with that strict, very strict layout is remarkable, mm. and how much... And he doesn't get enough credit in this. I don't think in this hat. In between Alan Moore and him, you know, everyone credits Alan Moore as a genius, but the fact that there is so much information, information mm-hmm. on each page, and yet, and a lot of this is just it's just conversation. Like it's just two people talking to each other a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and yet Dave Gibbons draws. It, so that it doesn't get boring. It, it never go, it never feels tired. It never feels like, Oh, I'm just watching another conversation. Let me read the text and move on to the next thing. He, the way he frames just simple interaction between two of these characters is just as important as what they're saying. Like there's a scene where, uh, Dan is talking to, um, what's her first name? Um, Laurie? Yeah. Silk Spectre. Yes. Um, they're they're just talking in like a diner but mm-hmm. you inst- you're not watching them you're watching their reflection yes and that like that another layer like you talked mm-hmm. about the layering there that's another layer of uh, on the the narration on top of the dialogue on top of what's happening in the scene versus how you're shown what's happening in the scene
1: and the the whole parallel because the page right before the page with with Drieberg, chewing on chicken Mm -hmm. the parallel with the guy from the black freighter eating raw gull Mm
3: -hmm.
1: because i want to say that's i don't have my book open but that's the page directly in front of that one yes but that's kind of what i mean like there's an earlier part like when 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 uh rorschach is captured Mm -hmm. um the someone calls into the cops and says i know where you can get raw shark and they're like raw shark what are you talking about and they slowly realize it means Rorschach. But on the page previous in the tales, of the black freighter, he starts fighting a shark, and you don't see it coming. And then there's that parallel. It's I, I, I would often just ignore that in in previous reads, particularly when I was young. I was like, this looks stupid. I don't really care about this. What is this about? It just really confused me. But when you you see just sort of those echoes and little little foreshadowings, and it's it's quite amazing. There's there's not enough there's not enough synonyms for good.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, what what I the central mystery. The first time you read this, I don't know if you even remember. Were you how were you surprised? Did you see the ending coming?
1: No, I think it's no, no. I don't. I. I I don't really think that it's. I'm, I'm sure someone could figure this out. It was not evident to me. I, mean, I don't really think that's not really what this isn't like. Who done no, it? No, that that's that's really go, go ahead.
2: I was gonna say on the service level, it's a mystery. But looking at it any kind of depth, it is not about mm-hmm. that. But
1: the thing, go, go ahead.
2: I was gonna say it, just to I don't know. I didn't I didn't see it coming either. Uh, but the way. While we are, while we're still on the layouts and the storytelling, the whole book, like I don't know if you've ever even noticed this, Eric O'Brien was pointed out to you because I I didn't realize it. I was told about it, and then I re- like looking at it, it is really impressive. But like this, if you go to the exact center of the book, it is the scene where Ozymandias is beating up his would-be assassin. Yes, and it goes from one page to the next of him hitting him with like a like a a little pillar or whatever. And like, that's the entire Mm -hmm. two page spread is him. And it's the only time that they really like that. It's broken up like that. And it it, it, like subconsciously points you, you know, that red herring, it plants Mm -hmm. it firmly in your head. Of course it's not him. Look at this, like, look at this struggle. Mm -hmm. And that's like, even on that, like, even in what this book is really not about, like the entire book is structured around it while doing all that other stuff it's ridiculous um what do you think the book is really about what would you how would you sum it up it's really hard i'm not this is not trying to actually i guess we're we're trying to i think we'll try and figure this out but what do you what would your best guess be
1: mm. there's a lot of really heavy really heady really important uh themes and motifs in this i mean the the comedian's button and the clock uh they they represent the doomsday clock and that's one of the big motifs in in throughout all of this. Mhm. You know, it's this it's the specter of of nuclear war. Right. And just just the horror of that. And I mean obviously that's Obviously, that's that's the big thing. That's the important thing. Beyond, like, this is a commentary about, like, what would a you know what would what would it take to actually have a person go out, dress up, and beat people up on the street? Like, what kind of person would that be? Beyond that, right? Beyond that, it's the political. I
2: hmm. I, I could say I would say that involving that involving the inevitable doom of mankind mm-hmm. as it's, you know, the, the, the doomsday clock, you know, the one minute to midnight, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the nature, I mean, in tying into the fact that what it takes for a man or woman to be a superhero, the, the, the nature of heroism. And if that's even possible, which is, I mean, I, I think that's, I don't think this book answers that question. I think it's a qu it. It's what the book asks. I don't think it answers it. I don't. I think too many people think that it does answer that question. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it does. I think it asks it and then looks at you.
1: Yeah, it does sort of just provide you with that moment and then walks away.
2: Like, and it's it's and I I look. I mean, the most immediate comparison is V for Vendetta when I'm thinking about it because V is our protagonist, but he is not a hero. He is a terrorist. He's He a, is
1: a terrible person. Yeah,
2: that happens to by
1: be- By most people's standards, yeah.
2: And then, in and, and this book, that's what all these people are. They're, none of them are, I mean, Dan gets the closest, and Silk Spectre as well, but mm-hmm. they're, neither of them are, I mean, they're, they're people, they're just, they're flawed by Nate, just, you know, but they're cl- the closest to normal. They're not, but even the fact that they dress up and beat the crap out of you know criminals ma- means they have they're not normal. And then everyone else is you know Rorschach is a, is insane. Uh-huh. Uh, the comedian is a monster. Uh, Mandius is the the villain, but he's the one who saves the world. Yeah, and then Doctor Manhattan is God. <laughs> And I think that I, what are you, do you, do you see Ozymandias as a villain?
1: No, I do not. Um, he's very obviously like kind of a bad person, but it's, it's one of those things where you're not given clean choices. You're not given right the choice between good and evil. You're grave. given the choice, but yeah, you're given the choice be- between something terrible and something incredibly much, much worse—something impossibly terrible. And I think that is that's possibly what's so interesting about Rorschach. Because when I was younger, I did I had no, I just completely did not understand why he chose that moment to make his stand mm-hmm. to literally like fight God. And say, well i you know I have to do this, but it's just so fascinating that he's so deeply principled, and this is clearly something where you have to pick the lesser of two evils,
2: yeah, and that and that, he
1: can't do that
2: no he's he's it's impossible for him as a person like he's it, it he does not he's so principled that that his death is the only option mm-hmm. there is no other yes,
1: choice. yes. Even in the face of Armageddon.
2: Yeah. And that – I I think that's why so many people like Rorschach. Like they – like like him – like for he's the most popular character. Yes. Even though he's insane and – And a Disney. crazy, horrible yeah. psychopath. Yeah. He's a nut. And that
1: was – when I talked to my brother about the movie, that was his biggest complaint about it is how they downplayed how incredibly horrible – rorschach is mm-hmm. like there's there's a part in the book where he talks about how he put 15, 14 people into the hospital needlessly and the 15th gave him the piece of information i think it was when he was looking for the little girl that was uh that was murdered yes that said exactly. the dogs yeah um in the film they changed it to three people or something they re- dramatically reduced the number to make him a more appealing character when that's at the very least, that's certainly not how Alan Moore sees it, that it's almost like his whole thesis statement with Rorschach is, you know, this philosophy is too simple and it makes you a monster. hmm
2: Absolutely. It, 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 like that's what someone, if you wanted someone in real life to be a principled vigilante, hmm it it's not it it's too that that stark black and white as mr a, that's what mr a says that is insane it's insanity mm-hmm. the world does not exist in black and white and i and when you paint it in those colors it is incredibly dangerous mhm and that and like on the other it's oh, it's incredible how interesting all these characters are yeah like how much nuance they all have. Even the most despicable one, you're still very interested in them. The, the, we could
1: easily we I I actually wouldn't mind. We could talk about every single main character.
2: Well, we've we've touched uh, on on Osmandius and Rorschach. We can come back to Osmandius. I think there's more there, but uh, I think
1: there's more. Uh, there's still more for Rorschach. There too, there than is. More. We could go for you know you know something I just noticed that I think is kind of interesting. What is that? The coat. That he goes to find when he gets uh, pulled out of prison Mm is his his spare set of clothes Mm -hmm. is the same one that he wore when he chopped the dogs up. Yeah. It's which I just noticed for the first time. It's
3: crazy how the
1: stain on it matches that he, he decided at that point to change and to change out of that. Yeah. And that's another, a new set,
2: another. Like you mentioned stains, like the consistency uh-huh. from issue to issue and from like the stains on the walls are uh-huh. the same in different issues. Like they're, you know, these issues are were initially released one by one and yet every the the, the consistency in the art is ridiculous considering the level of detail that there is. Like it's just remarkable.
1: You're I, aware that uh, Alan Moore. Specifically, wrote many of these details in the script. Right? Oh, I,
2: I know he wrote that. The, I've read some of them, but the just the the pages and pages of details per panel. Mm-hmm. Just oh yes,
1: it's insanity. So the fact that 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 Gibbons could fit this information in there is yes. remarkable. Yeah,
2: crazy. It, it it the level of talent. I it's unbelievable. Uh, where were we? Oh. Uh, do, what, do you want to talk anything about Rorschach? Anything else you want to,
1: there's a lot there. His, his, his hatred of women yeah. and or female sexuality is completely fascinating to me.
2: Yeah. And, uh, the, you know, it's, you know, the, the edible complex, the, you know, the, in the roots mm-hmm. of his, his mother and mm-hmm. not having a father. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you think any of that is, any like the deeper connection there to just superhero stories in general. You think there's something there? What do you mean? You think Alan Moore is trying to draw uh, trying to draw any kind of through line between I mean at that point almost completely dominated genre mm-hmm. of superheroes is, is male gaze like and I mean even mm-hmm. nowadays it's just getting to the point where there's some kind of representation at all. Uh, do you think that's intentional? I mean there's other things in this story about, you know,
1: Yes. Comedian I don't know right. I don't know that there's any like straight up indictment, but it's clear that he was aware of these things and addressing them. Um I mean the sheer fact that that uh, that Laurie mm-hmm. is as complicated and interesting a character as she is. Like she's a person, hmm and like her mother is a person and they like <laughs> like they talk and have arguments and it, the fact that even that exists and they're not just props, they're not just reasons to draw boobs in a panel. Yeah. Um, shows that he's clearly thinking of these things. He's really thinking of like, well, what kind of woman would actually want to dress up sexy and beat up dudes on the street? Yeah. What kind of, what, what would these people be like? What would their life be like? And. Mm-hmm.
2: Rorschach's hatred of women, I think, is also, like, that black and white mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's also, like, what kind of, where is, where's any love in his life? Yeah. Like, you get even, like, maybe a semblance, like, uh, and they, they kind of paint, picture, paint that picture, like, as soon as he becomes Rorschach, there's nothing else, really. Like, mm-hmm. his Walter Kovacs is just an excuse. It's just a, like a shell. His real face is Rorschach. His that's who he is. Kovacs yeah. is nothing anymore. He is he is you know his alter ego. And, and I think that is, I mean that's not just and that is kind of a, a tie in to the fact that, I mean I, obviously Batman and Superman like the two most famous mm-hmm. guys who are like oh yeah they they're they're secret identities and the fact that. I don't know if this is the first time that it, it really becomes where the, the secret identity is not the real. His real identity is Rorschach. That's his secret. Kovacs is the, is the the alter ego. He's, you know, it's the reverse, you know, and, and I think that's a, a, this costume vigilanteism, like someone who's that dedicated. That's, that's, you know, it, I think it's a intentional kind of subtext there that there is no other things. That Mm. someone who's this dedicated, like some if there was a really a Batman, there's, this is all he would be. Like, it doesn't, or if he was a real, if there really was Batman, he'd be Ozymandias, who would
1: commit, you know. There's, there's no line there. It's, he's walking around in costume and the character has become his public face. It's part of his whole brand. Mm.
2: And the hatred of it, I mean, there's no room for, there's no affection in Rorschach's life there's no mm-hmm. closeness like you, the closest you see that is his relationship with the with night owl
1: yeah when he when he actually says thank you for being my friend and he shakes his hand and then they like yeah. they, they're like oh no I'm uncomfortable yeah. i don't know how to have feelings yeah and <laughs> I,
2: I i mean that's a hint of it it's just that someone who's like that it, there's no room for affection there's no room for emotion like when you're when your life is brutally beating people Regardless of what they've done, Mm. how, what, where does that leave the rest of your life? Where does that leave the room, how you feel about normal people? Like, how do you have a normal relationship after you've pummeled people to death?
1: Mm hmm. You You throw a guy down an elevator shaft for asking to be beat up.
2: Yes. Hilarious. Mm hmm. Who, ask says, who do you, who's the most interesting character to you?
1: It's Dr. Manhattan. I mean, it's tough for me to decide between Dr. Manhattan and Rorschach, really. Okay. But if I, if if you just ask me that question apropos of nothing, most of the time my answer is going to be Dr. Manhattan.
2: Yeah, I think he's mine as well. Mm-hmm. My second is Comedian, not Rorschach. Yeah, but he
1: gets more interesting the more I read it. He definitely does.
2: But Manhattan is still my note. I think he's... Yeah. Yeah, there's... I think it's because his viewpoint is the most unknowable to us.
0: Mm -hmm. That's the like we
2: can, despite how monstrous some of the other characters are, or even remarkable in some ways, like Ozymandias. uh, Mm -hmm. You can't. You can still say, "Oh, they're human." I can sort of understand their feelings about something. But Doctor Manhattan, the way the way his perspective is shown and that is that one issue the the the, you know the the watchmaker issue where Mm -hmm. he sees all time at the same time Mm -hmm. and yet he can't necessarily alter his behavior in any way it's just so perplexing it's so
1: it's it's one of the it's one of the beautiful things about his character is that is that's that's kind of his thesis as well if black and white is rorschach's he even says it early on in his issue when he's, he's, um, what, what's the, what's the experimental lab? What's it called?
2: Oh, um, oh, I can't stop my
1: head. I, I, I don't recall it either. It's probably not that important. Some, is it, is it Gila Flats? Is that, is that right? Me, yes, Gila Flats. Where do I? That's correct. Okay. I was going to say, that'd be a funny thing for me to have just made up, <laughs> um, but, he, when he's talking to Janie, it's Janie, mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. And she buys him a beer. She basically initiates their relationship. And he says something about my father. I was a watchmaker from my father, and he pushed me into, um, physics because he was obsessed with Einstein. And he says, I feel like other people make all my important moves for me. And that's so interesting that that's that's like the most perfect and beautiful foreshadowing for everything about his character that he's basically once he's Dr. Manhattan, he basically feels like everything is already settled and he can see everything that's already done. And he has to do these things. He has no choice that basically he lives in a world of no free will or that we all do, that everything is preordained and he just can see it because he experiences everything at once all of his moves are already made for him and i've always found that fascinating
2: that that did you read the essays there's all that all that prose that is just uh sandwiched in here i
1: I read i read i want to say i read mostly everything uh some of the stuff at the end, I skimmed the more Ozymandias stuff. I skimmed this time, yeah, and it's probably terribly important. I don't know Uh which one in particular.
2: I just the one Is there about a Doctor the, Manhattan. Essay? Yeah, that's that's the one I was talking about. How the the main thing about uh uh how, oh like, yes super this God and Superman basically. We mm-hmm. I you know they're he doesn't
1: they're, say that Superman exists. He said God exists. God he's exists, and he's an American. In America. Yeah, yes, that was this one. I had read several times before. I did not, I, I just sort of skimmed it this time because I had read it before. Um, but I do, I do recall that that was really the, the, the interesting takeaway that they quoted him differently because he is far more frightening than even he, he's more frightening than the, the, than Superman is. Yes. Who might as well be like a, a god. That, um, Dr. Manhattan is so powerful that, yeah, just, he can just create things and look at atoms as they vibrate and do pretty much anything. It's just ridiculous.
2: It's the fact that, I, I, and like you mentioned, Superman, I think that it is also a statement on that, in that anyone that, that powerful, it is someone who's that powerful wouldn't even understand what, like they mm-hmm. wouldn't, un- they couldn't, how could they relate? And I think, and I, and I probably will, will probably come back to this, but I, I think it even is in a certain way. This book is respectful. Kind of, it shows a certain level of respect to these super, the, the heroic, the true heroic stories. Like every, it seemed everyone went the other way with this. Like mm-hmm. after this came out and even, I mean, they are still doing it where it's, the superheroes on a realistic level and like, look how like Superman would, you know, and, and he, Alan Moore has come out a- after this and, you know, he's disparaged superhero comics over and over and over again, but he still writes, you know, Tom strong comics and, you know, su- super scientists, s- stories like that, that are proto superhero stories, if you want to mm-hmm. call them. But they, uh, what I like so much about those stories is their earnestness. It is an earnest superhero story in, in set in a world where superheroes can be the real ideal. Mm-hmm. And he's, I, I, that saying this is an example of why that is good. I, this is an example of why that should never happen. Because if you truly put a man that is God, like Dr. Manhattan around us, I forget where it happens, but, uh, what is it? Is it Ozymandias who asks, "What do you think about the difference between a black ant and a red ant, or something?" And they're like, "Well, I don't." Well, that's how Doctor Manhattan sees us, you know what? How, yeah, that was what,
1: that was in that was in the the interview section, wasn't it? Or was that in the actual comic?
2: I am not positive. It's when the point. I think it was
1: when Doug Roth. I think you're right. No, that is exactly where it is. Doug Roth asked him about, uh, "Do you think Doctor Manhattan is right wing?"
2: Oh right, yeah. He's like, well, yeah, do you have
1: a, do you have a preference of black ants or red ants? And he's like, no, you don't even think about it. That's how John views all of us.
2: Yes, we are ants. We're insects. We are nothing. And
1: Ozymandias might as well be the world's smartest termite. Correct.
2: And that that this is the rem- the fact that he even sees the, like he has that turnaround at the end or near the end when they're talking on with the Laureate on Mars. And when she comes to, con- like, she's at her saddest moment after she's realized the comedian is her father. Mm. It's at that point that Man Doctor Manhattan like sees the intricacy and importance, like just how in powerful like human life is, and like the- what this combination that has created her. The fact that it was this this monster is her father. And yet she is, you know, that this, and yet this, and like this strange combination of events led to her to being and led her to this moment. And the fact that every single person is like that, and that Mm -hmm. is the thing that finally speaks to him. Do you think that's out of character?
1: I don't at all. Okay. I, I, I don't at all. I mean, um, I, to me, it feels, it feels like it works that he would have this really bizarre perspective.
2: I think it works for. I I I only bring it up because I think it's the one, like it's the thing that stands out from the rest of his kind of confusion and mm-hmm. general coldness to humanity. But I think it works. I I can make. I I see it is because he even tells her specifically, "You're my last connection yes. to humanity. You're the last thing I have. And what do you think I'm going to do when you leave?"
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I when the fact that her emotion. I think her emotion in that moment, her realization, mm-hmm. I think that because he's that cause, because she is the one connection he has, I think that's enough for him to kind of gain a little bit of perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. That you don't, well, that moment, see. that moment does, well, that moment does seem to change him yeah. because he does become more, I mean, not only does he intervene uh, for whatever it amounts to, doesn't really, I don't think it changes really anything.
2: Well, the, the, the kitty cat. In guys. the story? Yeah. That poor kitty cat.
1: It's not really a kitty cat. It's like a horrible genetic monster.
2: It's a kitty. Okay. <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't talk about it. At least I, I know.
1: It's you. It's fine. Um, but, you know, he becomes he becomes interested in people. Mm-hmm. He's going to go off and make his own human race. <laughs> I'm going to
2: create life.
1: Bye. Yeah. Yeah. See you later. B- BRB.
2: <laughs> this is that's his away message. Creating life, B R B.
1: Lol, BRB.
2: Who you want to do next? You want to do Lori? You can segue to Lori.
1: We can talk about we can we can talk about Lori and uh her mother. And the comedian and, and the her comedian. mother.
2: Yeah, they're all connected.
1: It's all this is a good this is definitely a good moment to talk about all of them. Is mm. that it's very just very powerful that whole scene with her Unpacking all that,
2: yeah, finally realizing what all that means.
1: Remaining willfully ignorant her whole life.
2: It's that I often I say that comedian is the second most interesting to me is the the fact that he is un an unspeakable monster of a man.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, You know, a man made for war who is happily him happily commits atrocities uh they even connect him to the JFK assassination uh at at one point in the in the book and you know you see him you see one attempted rape you see another where he murders a pregnant woman he, with that is pregnant with his child mhm you i mean he's glee- gleefully beats people and yet he's the one that is overcome by the the that by Ozymandias' plan. He's the one who is mm-hmm. the the one who's first made aware of it. He's the thing that starts off the story. And this monster of a man is taken aback by the horror of this plan. It I I I, I that's always a power. That's always powerfully. Uh, I, it's very effective on me for sure. In stories that when you show a monster and then that monster can't take. Something because it's so dark, so horrible, Mm -hmm. horrible. Like it, I, it's so effective. It, it just delivers that the true horror of something better than anything else can. And the fact that he is that one moment when he's trying to talk to Lori, and that the moment where she finally unpacks what he means when I can't, I can't just talk to my, you know, my friend's daughter. Like that, that conversation. Just the few tiny moments you see humanity in him. It's so interesting because even that, even such a, a person that's so terrible, it's still there. He's still there's something in there mm-hmm. that I, it, it doesn't. It, there's nothing that like it's not black and white. Yeah. It, it even the the most monstrous people are not. They're not monsters. They're they're just people. Even the worst.
1: Even Hitler was a vegetarian who loved puppies.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't paint anyone as a complete, a com- they're not, nothing's, they're none of them are inhuman. They're all human, despite, mm-hmm. despite what they do. And his relationship with, the uh, what, Sally? Mm-hmm. Is, that's her, uh, Lori's mother's name. That Sally is, Jupiter. Sally Jupiter, because she didn't want to have a Polish last name in the papers. That. It's so complex and complicated. Like, and how she... And another thing I don't think we touched upon it uh, uh, much, but it's ever-present in this book is... We touched a little bit, I guess, in in Manhattan with his look at time, but nostalgia. It's so important. The look at how our stories change as time goes, as Mm -hmm. passes. Like, she's like, yeah, you know, no matter how dark and dirty something looks at the time, as time goes on it looks just it just looks nicer and nicer like when Lori is disgusted and you know she's having that conversation with her mother and you know she has that uh what uh what's it called a tijuana bible or something along Mm -hmm. yeah the the little smut uh little smutty book and uh you know how she remembers the comedian is not a complete monster and like Lori's like how can you he tried to rape you how can you view him with anything but utter contempt that just the complexity there, and the fact that they ended up, you know, creating her. I'll ask you this: Do you think? Because that's the one I, that's the thing that it really I wonder about. If they showed the interaction between them, obviously the things that we're not shown, the things, the positive interactions they had. Mm-hmm. I, I have to believe that everything in this book is purposeful, so that yeah. there was a purpose for us not to see that but that that's just so interesting to me that we don't see that we don't see the good we're not shown it we're instead we're only shown the bad
1: we are shown a couple of his moments of vulnerability but no not really any of his good moments
2: no and i and i, I that's prob i from what i mean just in, i would infer that that's purposeful as well in that these heroes. What? Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, I think that it makes him more of a mystery. Right. That Sally's drawn to him regardless. And that there clearly was something that's not overwhelmingly, ne- overwhelmingly negative. And I think that, that the mystery is what makes him work. Right. You know, like you're not told every terrible thing that he's done, but you know he's. Got a huge scoreboard somewhere of terrible shit that he's done, you know, theoretically for the greater good or whatever. And I think that if they if they did those save the cat moments for him.
2: Right. It would it would sully everything else in the that they're saying.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't make it wouldn't make the mystery work. You're supposed to. Right. You're they they went out of their way. To make you utterly dislike the man, mm-hmm. and they give you a big jagged scar, yeah, as a reminder of what an incredible shit he is.
2: Yeah, this is he's ugly as he ugly inside as he outs, as he is outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, 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 the fact that he understands everything, I think everyone who truly under- like they understand everything, like they're either in charge or they die. And that's, Mm. I I, I don't, it's, like, I I think that you're, like, that, like, comedian comprehends everything, and it's just, it's too much for him to take. Like, that's what they, uh, everyone says about him, that despite how bad of a person he is, he understands what they're doing. Mm. He understands the true nature of people. And that, like, you know, that they don't, he doesn't see the good, necessarily, but he may, but he makes a joke out of it. He's a, re- a reflection of that mm-hmm. as the comedian. I, ah, oh, this book's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I, I think it's funny that I think that the night owl is the least interesting character to me.
1: He's, he's, um, but not really unpacked quite as much.
2: But it's he's probably the best of them.
1: Yeah it makes a lot of sense that Laurie's drawn to him because she's been in this relationship with John for so long, who took an interest in her when she was so young and impressionable. And he's not like so perfect. It's beyond like he's beyond humanity Mm -hmm. completely. Um, And she finds someone who's human and vulnerable and as imperfect as possible, right? And she's drawn to that humanness, like it's like he's like not because like he's gotten fat and he, yeah, he he's impotent. I, this is like one of the first works of fiction that has, has impotence in it. Um, and
2: and putting it putting on the costume, yeah, it removes it.
1: Yep, It does doesn't it? Yeah. Did the costumes make it good?
2: Mm, yes, and I even talk- I mean, like it—that's not even subtext. That is—that's—that's mm-hmm. that's clear. You know, that's that's stated. I mean, it's a clear, the a, a clear, lean, uh, you know, through line from these costumes give you power. This, you know, this these masks, these identities give you strength and vitality. Like it's—it's mm-hmm. it's not even it. it And that, and that it's tied into the nostalgia even like it's, it's a heart, like, oh, we put on these costumes. Suddenly we are young again. We are vital again. And that's, and and that's what it takes to revitalize them or revitalize Night Owl in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, But he is, I, I think the most interesting thing about him is he's the, is he the first one to realize that they have, they can't, or is it Manhattan? That they what? They have to. They that realizes they have to give in. They have to just.
1: Oh, um, you mean at the end?
2: Yeah, they can't do anything about this. I forget if it's Manhattan or him. I think it's Manhattan who realizes it first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's Manhattan that says it first. Yes. Yeah, but he's he's after Manhattan. He's the next one to say yes. Okay, say nothing. Lori's still questioning, and Rorschach, of course, is mm-hmm. unmovable. Yes. Um, I, I he's pragmatic in that way, I think, and I think that that the fact that his he has such idolization towards the first Night Owl, I think that's the same connection, like to, the 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 that ties into the more that his the nostalgia and the the fact that the he the that costume gives him his vitality back, removes his evidence. Mm-hmm but i I think that's but i the fact that he's not as interesting is not as conflict conflicted as the other characters not as the his flaw is that he's just gotten kind of flabby he's mm-hmm. and he gave up like that the the fact that that's his flaw i think that he's as much i think he's the most of an every man we get in this story, yeah, and I think that's a necessary he had there has to be someone like that mhm because otherwise, he's kind
1: of yeah. He's he's kind of our character to uh, to identify with because he's the most the most human the most accessible.
2: I don't like him as a ginger though.
1: Or is it no? Oh, like or is
2: he blonde at the end? Oh yeah, he
1: looks awful at the end.
2: Blonde? Excuse me. It's even weirder.
1: Yeah. I think he would look better as a ginger.
2: No, probably. I don't know. It's so. Bad. No, he looks terrible. He that looks mustache. So, yeah, it's so bad. Why does he look like that? Oh my god. Oh is there anyone I'm forgetting? Eric, is there anyone else we, we want to talk about or go back to talk about? You want to talk about Ozzy Manus some more we didn't really fully finished on him. You did you did
1: say you wanted to touch back on that.
2: Yeah, I think come back all the way back around to him. Because I think he's do you think Alan Moore is trying to show him as a villain?
1: I think he's trying to show the weight of these decisions. That's, that's a lot. Like they, they go to a lot of trouble of showing a very peopled world. And then they go to a lot of trouble of showing that every one of these people are dead as hell. Mm. That it's just page after page after page. Corpses. Of, yeah, just horrible corpses. Because this is not just a bomb going off, that this is a city full of people that died horribly like they were killed by a burst of psychic energy like created from like horrible images like it what do they describe it at the end like that's why that max shea was brought in Mm -hmm. he was brought in to write something horrible and they had like this whole like movie team of writers and artists, just basically trying to create horrible shit to program into this psychic brain that blew up and made these people die. Somehow, it wasn't just an explosion.
2: Other, other than those killed outright by the shock, many will be driven mad by this sudden flood of grotesque sensation.
1: Yes, there's the the theater that's sold out, and there are all those people like pushing against each other and killing it like they're just blood and it's horrible but they just go to such an extent to make it that grisly to show you know you can't really understand like deaths when you look at numbers Mm -hmm. and you think well that's an abstract concept a hundred million people are going to die or whatever number a billion five billion like they're just words they're meaningless but when we spend this entire work of fiction with all of these characters, the psychiatrist, his wife, the, the young boy reading the comic book, the newspaper man, the, the gay cab driver and her uh, lesbian partner, all of these various people that we're introduced to in the story. And you know, we get to, we get to learn things about them and experience them as people. And then we see them all die horribly. And we're told, well, this is the best possible outcome that this is incredibly bad. And we feel the emotion behind this. It could be like this, but much, 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 much worse. I've kind of gone off on this and I've forgotten sort of what your original question was, but it was about Ozymandias.
2: Yeah. If he was, if, if Alan if Moore was explicitly a, portrayed as a villain, not necessarily yeah. as a. Yeah. And I, so
1: I think my, my answer with all of that is he just, he's not trying to make him a villain, but he's trying to make it incredibly clear that he's weighing outcomes, but he's, I'm losing my perspicacity here.
2: <laughs> did you see the, I was just going over this, pages filled with awful corpses, and uh, uh-huh. did you see the, the bands who were performing? No. Pale Horse, in concert with Kristallnacht.
1: What's that one?
2: Crystal Knot, the, uh which is uh, an allusion to uh, a, a day, a night during World War II, when uh-huh. all the it, with Jewish businesses and, and houses and all the glass well the windows are broken Crystal, you know crystal bomb. and then in another the theater is shown playing the day the earth stood still yes with the you know, with the arrival of alien life
1: the theater is called utopia
2: mm-hmm. I, and I don't he's I think the worst thing that Osmanius is is smarmy <laughs> about it like he's like yeah he's like he, you know he's He does rub it in their faces that he has accomplished this thing, despite their, you know, them trying to stop him to a certain extent, even though, I mean, them trying to stop him is kind of full, is kind of laughable because there's nothing, they were never close to it. Like, they got to him, it was already over. It had been set in motion, there was, there's no, none of them infiltrating, you know. It's stopping any, 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 any successive step of this plan. They got there, realized it had just happened. <laughs> and that in itself is so interesting. Like, you never, you don't see that very often in that the quote unquote villain is just successful. That's it. Mm-hmm. It ended. But I, again, I don't, there's none of, nothing about him that's reprehensible other than the fact that he is. Like, the fact that he's just, he's willing to kill all these people, but he does it because, I think it's because we trust in the fact that he is, the fact that Manhattan confirms it after the fact. Like, you have the smartest man, and then you have God, and they're both saying, yes, this is the best thing that could have happened.
3: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Because the alternative is death to everything. You just have to kind of take it. You just have to accept that knowledge, which I think is also... Like a, the big, a, a big, the biggest stomach punch in all of this is the fact that, you know, I, I talked about it earlier the hero, the, like the question of heroism and if it's possible. Like, would you call any of these people heroes?
1: Hmm. I don't think I could without really unpacking the definition of that, right? Because I mean, are they heroes in like the Superman slash Steve Rogers Captain America sense, to where they? punch Hitler in the face and then stand in front of a flag. No, none of them are. No. I mean, it's, I, I think it's difficult for me to answer that, um, without unpacking that more, because I think in some lights they could be, some of them could be even, you could even argue that Rorschach, you know, when he, God, when he murdered that guy in that grisly way, hmm He's like here, saw through your leg, or whatever it was, his arm, mm-hmm. and then burned him alive. I mean, you could say there's a you know, a spirit of meanness and vengeance in, in a in a sort of Dark Knight returns sort of way, in a Frank Millery sort of way, that's uh that's that's heroic. I mean, and you could say that offsetting all of the loss of life and basically uh, reuniting all people on earth against an imaginary enemy. You could call that fairly heroic and though it's very monstrous.
2: I think that when, like you said about unpacking the word hero, Mm -hmm. considering that this is takes place in, you know, in within the context of superhero comic books, like I think Mm -hmm. it is very much like supposed to, supposed to, you know, Contrast with what we think of as Superman or Captain America or Spider Man or or Batman or any of those you know those those guys who you know they don't they don't like Rorschach they don't compromise like Superman like Captain America that's like he doesn't compromise if if someone is as innocent is as on the line then that that's not acceptable you know there's the it's not acceptable to have casualties that are innocent and when. Osmanius has admitted to murdering millions of people. It's and yet but to be for the greater good, to save the world, save billions. To kill millions to save billions. I I think it's I don't know, not necessarily a statement about super heroics, but a statement about humanity. A statement It's definitely
1: a very dark statement about humanity. Yeah, about the And it's something about our terrible tribalism. Yeah. That we need an enemy, and he invents one in a very Orwellian sort of way to unite people.
2: And that to be the hero in this kind of world, it takes someone who's willing to murder millions of people. Oh, yeah. And that there is no, that truth, justice, in the American way is, is, I I, I'll, I come back to this, is that I don't think he's saying that's bad. I don't mm-hmm. I just think he's saying it's not real. Yeah. And I those are two different things.
1: And yeah. It's um Hollis is sort of Captain America. So's yeah. Captain Metropolis. Yeah, a little bit. And Captain Metropolis is like a clown in this, but mm-hmm. Hollis is he's very much shown to be well, that's a simpler time and that's a simpler thing, and that's you know Ties
2: back to that nostalgia that yeah. the rose the rose colored glasses. Mhm uh-huh. and yet, at that same time period, it's when we see the attempted rape of Sally and you know the uh-huh. the brutal murders of the of multiple of the the multiple former members of of the uh Minutemen the original minutemen mm uh-huh. God, there's so much to talk like i we were running it almost two and a half hours, and there's still a stuff we haven't talked about <laughs> oh, Well, I, I whatever's fine with
1: me. Uh, I, I should I, probably go to sleep eventually, but no, we could yeah, easily I, talk about no. this forever.
2: Yeah, I was. I I I think we should at least touch on it. Though at least one more thing, and that's the presence of the kind of of, of gay and lesbian characters and you know alternate sexualities throughout mm-hmm. the book and how they're addressed in varying and differing ways. It's very interesting to me. None of the none of the the main characters are really are you know. I I I don't think any of them. I mean Dr. Manhattan is barely it's hard to kind of categorize him because he's mm-hmm. not human anymore. But uh yeah. But I mean they they talk about the those former members of the Minutemen. Uh, they allude to the you know the uh I forget what her name is silhouette I believe. Silk she, silhouette was yeah, a yeah, lesbian that's was right. Was a lesbian and then she's she ends up getting murdered and she's kicked out of the group. Yes. And end up getting killed by a, like a former foe. And then Hooded Justice, it's also...
1: It's alluded to alluded that to. he was a, a, a homosexual.
2: Yeah, but it's never... But isn't
1: it, it's also alluded to that he was killed by, uh, the comedian.
2: Yes, who, of course it's not spelled out for you, but I, I, I'm assuming mm-hmm. that because it's alluded to, we're supposed to uh, take it as fact. Um, which, I mean, just shows the community is even more. Of it. I, it, the fact that he stopped him from, from, at, he was the one who, who stopped him from raping Sally. Um, in the first place, I think that is, uh, you know, the clear connection there, you know, payback. But, uh, I, I, I don't know. Just the, this is 1985. The fact that this, like, it's even, and the, the, the let, the, the cab driver with her, her girlfriend, like that. Just the fact that these like they're addressed at all is very interesting to, and and I think important. And I use that word again, but yeah, like and the fact like I, this is like a pro- very progressive comic book. Like the fact that all that stuff is in here, along with all the other stuff we've already touched on. Like it's like it's really like representation is 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 pretty. It, it, it's pretty good, actually. Like yeah. there's lots of yeah. many different gendered and, and like and ethnic characters. Like there's, you know, there's black people and white people and gays and gay people and lesbians. And, and you know, and the fact, you know, it, although they, they didn't paint Vietnam in such a great light. Of course, that's purposeful. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I felt that was really interesting, at least worth mentioning.
1: Yeah. It does not feel like it's as old as it is. The book that is as old as you are, yeah, um, does not really feel dated.
2: No, the the fact that it's kind of
1: scary, right? No, I was going to say it's kind of scary that it feels as incredibly relevant as it does. Yeah, uh, for a uh, a couple of different reasons.
2: More things change, the more they stay the same.
1: Yeah, very much true.
2: Uh, I mean, the lack of the internet and cell phones is the only thing that Mm -hmm. that changes anything about it
1: next year we're going to get watchmen with a emo- with with emoji
2: yeah i mean i i it doesn't change i don't if you introduce those things it just changes how the story's told in in ways but it, i don't think it alters the i, I it's as as it's uh as that's not the word i want to use um i keep thinking of the word sentient but that makes no sense it's as important but not that as it's as relevant, there's a better word there, but relevant, it's still relevant, It's it, it, especially what it says about humanity and power and politics and, and mm. all, everything. It's as relevant today as it was when it was written and drawn. Gosh. I think this is officially the longest of Boys Comics Hour ever.
1: I don't see how it couldn't be.
2: Yeah. And there's more things. There's all, there's so, this book is so dense. There's so much in it. It's just ridiculous. Mm. so many just characters that, it, like, talk about the psychiatrist. I could talk about him for 20 minutes. Or, you really could. Or the, you know, the the entire his story. His whole little
1: arc. His whole little arc's really, really interesting. What were we going to move on to?
2: The stories of the Black Freighter. or, or Oh, the
1: Black God.
2: Or Moloch. Or, like, just the talking about the newsman and, you know, his... His story about you know how how he relates to the news of day. Like just mm-hmm. that that itself is just his how he has an arc. The newsman has an arc.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
2: we need more words for good.
1: Yeah, there aren't enough.
2: But I, I who would you suggest this to, Eric?
1: Oh man, are we are we really coming to that?
2: I think so. I'm I'm gonna I still have work to do tonight, so
1: wearing out, huh? Yeah. Every human being that has ever lived and ever will live (laughs) should read this book. It is an incredibly – not just an important comic book. It is an important piece of fiction. And it has kind of changed the world, I think, and that so much of the media that we have now would not exist in anything close to this format if it were not for this book. Yeah, it's – Nothing else like it. Even it is a singular work, even amongst a collection of great work that Alan Moore has done. Yeah. Like Alan Moore is. Go, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, like, you had mentioned earlier about how Alan Moore is always trying to push the medium of comics and show what only they can do. This is the best example of that there is. Mm-hmm. It, like. People ask why the, that movie, the people didn't like that movie. It's because you know, it's unnecessary. Yeah. It, there's nothing in it that this didn't do better. That movie, yes. whatever it, whatever artistic choices they differed from, is meaningless because this comic book is better. It tells the story better, mm-hmm. in, in every possible way, and in more ways than any movie could. There's yes. There's no reason to make a movie out of this comic book because there's nothing, a movie, it, it's impossible for a movie to say more than this comic does. And that's why I would suggest it to everyone is because this is, shows what comics can do better than anything else can. There's no novel that could do better than this comic book, tell this story better than this comic book did. There's no television show. There's no – this thing couldn't exist in any other form of media. This masterpiece mm-hmm. is impossible to tell in anything but this media in this format. And it's remarkable. If you're listening to this and you haven't read Watchmen, which I – it's doubtful. But if you have it, go go buy it now. Stop what you're yes. doing. Leave work.
1: Put, yes. <laughs>
2: Walk out. I guarantee Flip you – the table over. I guarantee you whatever bookstore is closest to you will have this it's certainly widely available but it's... and
1: certainly if you if you if you're only familiar from the movie yeah the... go and buy this and read it ending's different yeah what did you think of the ending of the movie by the way
2: it's fine it works yeah. it works in relatively the same way uh, i understand why they made it mm-hmm. the, made their decision that but again it's not necessary
1: oh i agree I agree with every word of that.
2: It's not, they, and they missed the point. Zach, like Zach, it's Zach Snyder. Yes. He missed the point. That's and Mm -hmm. He missed the, like he missed the point with Superman and looking like he's going to miss the point with Batman versus Superman, (laughs) but we'll see. Uh, This is tremendous. Go read it. Go get it. You should own this. This is one of those things you, everyone who's a comic fan should own Even like uh, it's un, it's quality is unmistakable. Okay, so folks, that will wrap up their dis- our discussion of Watchmen. It does not end it though, because it, yeah, we could, I We're, could, we could we'll talk have to report another, a
1: bonus episode where we yak about it more.
2: We could talk another hour, probably at least, about just how much there is. In yeah, it. um, but some notes for our next couple of weeks. We, I, both of us are. I, in particular, am going on my honeymoon, uh, for a week in a in over for over a week, and I will not be available. And Eric himself is also always a busy man; He works, you know, million hour weeks every week. Um, so we are the next two weeks we will be will have you know take a little vacation. So that would be episodes releasing on the 18th and the 25th. You guys will just have to dig into one of our hundred episodes we've already recorded.
3: Check one of those out.
2: <laughs> but uh, we will be back on June 1st with another episode. And we will be, uh, Eric is uh, uh, wisely pointed out that we both now own uh, Scrooge McDuck, Don Rose's Scrooge McDuck, Uncle, and Donald Duck, uh, Son of the Sun, Volumes 1 and 2, on hardcover from Fantagraphics, uh Son of the Sun, and Return to Plain Awful. So in three weeks' time, we will be talking about that. I'm so ups- I am upset that I don't get to talk. We're gonna we're gonna talk about injection number one in three weeks. I don't care that it's gonna be not. That's fine. I want to talk about. We can
1: it. we can do three weeks of floppies. It can be super floppies. I don't care. I-
2: I'll pick. The- I'll do best of We can. I'll- That's fine. I- yeah, yeah, that'll work. Because I'll I'll still be buying and reading them like a lunatic. Uh, you know, spending millions put em, of
1: dollars. Put them in the notes. I'll I will find time to read them. It's not like I hate reading comics. <laughs> yes if I'm you did read this, them anyway this, this would be the worst punishment ever it would i don't do know this. what's <laughs> like
2: <"Ugh>, oh god <laughs> so 3 weeks time guys son of the sun return to plain awful don rose's uh Scrooge McDuck and associated characters ducks that don't wear pants mhm um but yeah this most is... of them
1: seem to wear funny hats
2: that too that too <laughs> it's an important distinction hats no pants mhm Hats, uh, no pants. So this was episode one hundred, Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us twenty four hours, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days a year at Hour dot com. Find everything there. You can find us on Twitter at hbc hour. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com dot slash handsomeboyscomicshour. You can email us handsomeboyscomics at gmail dot com. Uh, please reach out to us if you have something to say, if something you'd like us to read and talk about in in, a, in book club. Give us a suggestion. We'll probably ignore you, but maybe we won't. <laughs> i'm I'm kidding we will we will we will genuinely you know uh, take your your suggestion under advisement
1: as long as it's not by james O'Barr.
2: yeah we've already we've done the one book by James o'Bar that we're ever gonna do i think i think we that's until the crow Two comes out and we can laugh at that as well um mm-hmm. uh we'll see if you like the show please rate review subscribe to us on itunes or wherever you listen to us it really helps us out every new subscription every new review every new rating of five stars or whatever really it it does get more people to listen and we really appreciate it if you do that for us you can find me on twitter at mixmaster show it's my x-m-a-s-t-e-r-c-r-e-a-l eric where can they find you online i hmm.
1: been talking about Watchmen so long i don't remember where i am
2: turned into you're talking to dr manhattan oh okay it's 1997 I'm reading, <laughs> I'm reading a bad comic book that's drawn by todd mcfarlane
1: i was probably reading a few of those <laughs> at, at, in 1997 really have my number there dorman
2: I know, it's almost like i've done oh, 100 man. episodes of a comic book podcast with you
1: oh my god how do you know me so well i don't know uh so yes you can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. And seeing all the other things I get up to online by going to ericzgoodnight.com, including my wonderful Pinterest account and my Tumblr. And you can tweet at me. Twitter handle is Mr. Bad Example spelled M-R-BadExample. Bad Example.
2: It is the year 2024. We're recording episode 450 of Handsome Boys Comics <laughs> Hour.
1: Which one of us is a head in a jar? Um, probably you. Okay.
2: I would, I would say you, but I, I, you have I a robot, am- you have a robot body, I'm, I'm imagining. Oh, that does sound like me. I was going to say, there's no way you don't have a robot body if you only have a head
1: left. <laughs> no, if, if, if that accident happens, totally get in a robot body. Yeah, precisely. But, dear God, <laughs> I think we could call it a day.
2: Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Rock and roll.